Welcome to the Professional Drinkers Podcast, brought to you by choosesunrise.co.uk. I'm Janet Hadley, and this is for you if you're an HR professional, a business owner, or a leader who'd like to explore the drinking culture in your workplace. I'll bring you lived experience stories, expert views, and tips for creating an alcohol-safe workplace without killing the buzz. Welcome back to the Professional Drinkers podcast. It's great to be back. Um, Thank you again for all of the lovely messages of support that I've had um, while I've not been uh, able to to release any episodes. So I'm really super excited to be back in the chair and recording again. Um, My daughter is doing great at home, um, doing really, really well. So yeah, thank you again to everyone who's sent me some lovely messages. And I've been making some really good progress in the background um, and then we're getting ready now to launch our um, Choose Sunrise Alcohol Safe Workplace Accreditation, which is super exciting. Um, So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it today. So what is an alcohol safe workplace and how do you become one? Well, we've defined an alcohol safe workplace um, as a place, a workplace that has a culture that includes everybody, whether they're a drinker or not, and creates a safe space where people can explore their own relationship with alcohol without judgment. People who work in an alcohol safe workplace feel safe to ask for help if they need it and they receive appropriate support. So how do you get to a a workplace like that? And the answer is you go through a set of 12 standards that we've set. So alongside my panel of experts, um, we have agreed now our 12 standards that an employer would need to meet in order to become this alcohol safe workplace. So um, the way that it'll work is that as an employer, you could come to choose Sunrise and the first step is to join the programme. And you'll get a load of assets that say, you know, we're working towards becoming an alcohol safe workplace. And you can display those on your website and on your recruitment campaigns and let your people know that you take their um, well-being seriously and that you want to be inclusive and, you know, create this psychologically safe place to work. Um, And then we'll help you to understand the standards. We will actually do a cultural audit with you um, and then we'll provide you with an action plan. And then off the back of that action plan, um, what we'll do is we'll price up the services that help you get to that standard. You do not have to buy the services from us. You can do them yourself. You can do them in-house. You can do them with another third party. We do not mind. We want you to do what is right for you as an employer. And there's a lot of flexibility within how you choose to meet the standards um, and what you know, the action plan will give you some suggestions, um, but there are more than one way to skin a cat, as they say. So we are open to you interpreting this in a way that works for you. And then once you believe that you've done the work and you've met the standards, you submit your um, application um, and the independent panel of experts will review that. And then hopefully um, some, there may be a couple of tweaks, but eventually you will receive your alcohol safe workplace logo that you can display with pride and that you can let your employees and all your future applicants know that you put inclusion, health and well-being right at the heart of your business. Um, so if you're a progressive employer listening to this or if you'd love this to be in your workplace, do get in touch. Um, I'm very open to you sharing with me um, details of your HR team if you think this is something that you'd love to have in your workplace. 
but you're not the decision maker, just just do me an intro um, and I'll do the rest. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, and we've got two uh, really progressive companies going through the process at the moment. Once we've got those two through and we've got those accredited, we'll be going um, a little bit bigger and louder with our marketing. Um, and I'll also feel safe and secure in the knowledge that everything in the process works. <laughs> so thank you for my two guinea pigs for letting me do this with you. Um, I should also mention, actually, that we're partnering with Tenspace, who um, Victoria Bond, who was last week's guest, um, is the founder of Tenspace. And we're doing a pre and post survey for every accredited workplace um, so that we can truly measure in tangible terms what the impact is on the workforce in things like basically an overall engagement index. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm sure you can tell. Um, and I hope that you are too. So without further ado, I shall introduce um, this week's guest. So the interview this week is with um, a very inspirational young woman called Ellie Webb, who you may know. She is the founder of the drinks brand Kaleno, and she's won a number of entrepreneurial awards over the years. Um, she has really grown this brand from the ground up, um, and it's a really interesting story behind the brand. Um, Ellie is someone who is would describe herself, I think, as a mindful drinker. So she does still drink alcohol. It's very important to stress that, you know, in everything we do, we're not anti-alcohol we are pro-choice and actually I think it's really interesting that as a drinker um, wanting to moderate and still wanting to socialize that Ellie came up with the idea of creating this alcohol-free drink out of necessity um, it isn't just people who are completely sober who want alcohol-free options in fact the vast majority of alcohol-free drinks that are bought are bought by people who also drink alcohol Hence the term flexi drinker you may have heard of, um, which describes people who drink, you know, alcohol and non-alcohol alternatives. So I am sure that you will really enjoy this interview with Ellie. Um, and yeah, thanks, Ellie, for being such a great guest. So I'm delighted to introduce my guest this week, um, Ellie, Ellie Webb. Um, Ellie is the founder of the lovely and delicious alcohol-free drink, um, Kaleno. Have I got that right? The, the yes, pronunciation? Yes. Kaleno? Uh, Good. Kaleno. Uh, the little Kaleno. Yeah. is uh, Spanish. <laughs> ah, Kaleno. I like it. Um, and you've won a number of prestigious prizes for your entrepreneurialship as well, haven't you, Ellie? So have. yeah, quite an inspirational young woman. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I know the um, the drinks business very kindly awarded me um, Young Achiever of the Year last year, which was which was a massive surprise. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, and then I've also I've also won uh, for a few years now the Great British Entrepreneur Award uh, for Food and Drink Entrepreneur in the Southwest. So yeah, really, really, really proud of those accolades. Um, feel privileged to have them. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it's testament to no doubt how hard you would have worked to get the brand to where it is today. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, I think. Well, it's something <laughs> I can share with my family and see, see, you know, it wasn't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's it, isn't it? I think behind every successful entrepreneur is like a story of graft and hard work and people yeah. telling you it won't work and all the rest of it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about that, actually. So um, we're going to talk today a little bit um, with Ellie about 
what she did before she was an entrepreneur, actually, and talk a little bit about alcohol in the workplace. Um, because you worked in the drinks industry, didn't you, before you it, set up yeah. on your own? So can you tell us a little bit about kind of your let's start at the beginning let's talk a little bit about your relationship with alcohol growing mm -hmm. up and then how that sort of evolved into workplace and workplace drinking and let's just hear a little bit about your story yeah sure um so I I have been drinking from you know fairly young age early teens um I was very much in the camp of uh you know you hit you hit your teens and you start socializing and, it, and it's all about drinking um and often drinking drinking to excess so um, that, that's kind of how I started my relationship with alcohol. I then went to uni up north in Lancaster and it was very much more of the same. It was drink as much as possible, uh, a dangerous amount, really. Like When I think back yeah. to some of the situations that I was in, um, yeah, it just feels like a, a world away. <laughs> a yeah. world away now, just, you know, ending up... Um, in like quite dangerous situations really thanks thanks to alcohol and and obviously excessive drinking um and then that that sort of continued through through my early 20s I mean the, the drinking I guess calmed down a bit post uni I'd say uni is like this this little bubble yeah um, I worked for for a year or two uh, at a design agency um so I kind of and and some of my clients were in the were in the food and, and drink space so I worked with Nestle that was more more yeah. on the food confectionery side and then actually I think I was around I think it was about 22 when I uh joined the drinks industry so my yeah. my first job in the drinks industry was with a company called Matthew Clark who are uh, a drinks wholesaler so you've uh -huh. probably heard yeah. them if you're a pub bar or restaurant they supply hundreds um thousands of bars and restaurants and pubs across the UK so they're one of the biggest wholesalers so I I joined them in their marketing team um uh, as an exec and um worked with their worked there for about four or five years and and um my my job entailed sort of planning all of their big tasting events so oh, wow. mm. yeah it was um it was always a really big endeavor they'd hold these massive uh tasting events annual tasting events every year in london bristol manchester edinburgh and i'd be given a budget and um i kid you not there were you know every event well, particularly the, the the London flagship, we'd have 500 different wines on offer to actually taste wow. there on the day. We would have, uh, we had things like vodka domes, rum shacks, where you'd have uh, probably 15, 20 different rum, vodka, whiskeys uh, to choose from, gins, you name it, it was there. So yeah, it was a very, yeah. very boozy affair. And um, I would, you know, I can remember going to these uh, events and, you know, at the end of it, you'd be encouraged, you know, to have a drink at the end of the day, you'd see customers, um, so pub and bar owners, you know, after they tried copious amounts of different, and you're given a sample, but by the end of the day, if you've been there since 11 yeah. um, until yeah. five, you were going to have drunk a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that was kind of, that was kind of my first foray into, uh, into the drinks industry. Wow. And, and in that sort of environment, in that industry, like I'm guessing you just don't go into it if you're not a drinker like do you have is there ever anybody who works in that industry who doesn't drink most yeah most people I found did drink um and drank quite a lot like drank like fishes yeah. <laughs> um I think it's difficult 
if you don't because um well my experience was you know you'd be sitting around your desk and and you know the buyers maybe been sent a couple of new rums to try and so they pour them out into little shot glasses on a tray and they would get everyone to try it so I would say that if you you know if you didn't drink you'd almost feel a little bit excluded from from that because you weren't able to give an opinion and so it was very everything's very much centered around alcohol very much centered around alcohol and socializing you know if you were a buyer you were in that team you'd be going out to meet with suppliers normally in the evening it would involve drinking all the events uh socially would involve drinking alcohol um and all the all the events we put on for customers obviously involved alcohol so it really wasn't um obviously they, they did sell soft drinks too but they weren't really necessarily seen as um a massive priority it was very much focused on, yeah. on alcohol yeah yeah and and was there ever any education about alcohol in the workplace so were you aware of any of the risks of drinking too much or was it ever talked about that you know this is what to do if you run into difficulties with addiction or anything like that um no unfortunately not really I mean the only the only kind of warnings we got was you know there were stories around where people had lost their jobs um yeah when it came to excessive alcohol so I can remember one one story about a guy who and you know they had uh contacts and just had these big balls um where you know suppliers would be invited to come along and literally ply them with as much alcohol as as possible um and one guy um ended up punching someone at the end of the night and, and losing his job. And so there was there yeah. was that of like, oh, if you will drink too much and too excess, you could lose your job. But other than that, it was, um, I mean, that wasn't the message, but it was like you kind of inferred that from hearing that story. Yeah. There's nothing really yeah. around excessive drinking and, you know, yeah. education. education well, that, that. you say that wasn't the message, but it, it kind of was because if the alcohol is free-flowing and the you know what sort of messages are you getting from senior management about what you can and can't do or what you should or shouldn't drink like was there what how did they behave you know yeah it's it's an interesting question um I just I think the message for me there was no there was nothing around like you know limiting yourself and and not drinking to excess and so I think there was no real incentive for people not to do that. And, and you know what it's like, you know, once you've had a few too many, you put yourself in, in, in a dangerous situation. Yeah. Um, if there's yeah. nothing, if there's nothing discouraging you, you know, everyone, mm. you know, everyone, you can make your own decision on things, but if there's nothing really discouraging you from, from doing that, then it puts you at risk of being in a, in a situation where you might end up doing something you regret. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've done, a lot of um, research into how alcohol works and what it does to your brain and to your body since I stopped drinking. And, you know, I had, I had, I had some idea um, when I was a drinker, but I didn't realize the physiological kind of disconnect from your, (laughs) from between your prefrontal cortex and basically your animal brain that, you know, these signals do not pass between those two areas of the brain after a certain amount of drinking. So you literally can't make sensible decisions. And, you know, obviously that does fit with things that I've done when I'm drunk. um, Mm -hmm. And everyone kind of knows that to a certain extent. But when you start to really break that down into facts and say, okay, 
you're putting people into a position where they literally physically cannot make sensible decisions like yeah. physiologically that's not possible and yet you're still holding them to account for their behavior um it starts to feel a little bit unfair <laughs> um yeah. we sort yeah, of have yeah. these expectations don't we in society that you know if you're sober you're boring so you can't have none and then if you drink too much and you punch someone then that's obviously unacceptable and we're asking people to sort of tread this fine line in between and and it's not it's it's not easy it's actually a lot of people just find that they can't do that yeah and look you know I know we've all got you know different personalities but I think those of us that are you know a little bit more excessive and maybe you know do want to to go at it you know you can end up drinking much more quickly um, and excessively than anyone else and then that puts you in that kind of situation I'm sure we've all been in been in that situation where we go what the hell was I thinking literally what the hell was yeah. I thinking and I think that yeah. is what you said around well you weren't thinking the brain yeah. and the action yeah I know it's a it's a difficult thing isn't it because um you know there's no denying either that it's actually quite fun to switch off the decision making part of your brain and just to be a little bit free falling for a while that's the appeal of it isn't it is you know the ability to zone out and to numb out the difficult things in life for an hour or two and you know let your hair down as they say you know there's no doubt about it that I've enjoyed doing that and I've had fun doing that um and I don't have an issue with other people doing that at all like a, a genuinely really you know, I look at people drinking heavily and think they're my crew, you know, they're my kind of people. Uh, that's who I was hanging out with, you know, my whole life until fairly recently, yeah, yeah. really. Um, but I think what what I didn't realise as a drinker, actually, was how, um, how, how difficult it was going to be to get out of it. Um, you know, mm. how difficult it was going to be for me to stop. Um, and I think a lot of people just never try to stop. Um, and I just wonder how many yeah. people from the drinks industry who've kind of li- lived and worked and breathed that kind of alcohol um, lifestyle where your drinking yeah. is so normalised, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just wonder how many of them do run into trouble, really. It feels like a bit of a dangerous melting pot now for me. It is, it is. Yeah, and I know, you know, I know lots of um, bartenders or people who, you know, actually work behind the bars who have who have quit drinking, or who yeah. don't really drink um, very much anymore, or you know, will will switch to uh, alcohol free alternatives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know people who who are in charge of buying categories, you know, buying spirits who have who have stopped yeah. drinking, which yeah. is difficult. Yeah. Um, you know even just for periods of time particularly I think I saw it quite a bit over over lockdown you know when we were all, mm, when, when yeah. we were all stuck at home and the temptation to drink because there was nothing else to do was was really high um, yeah. but then you know that ended up having a real uh, negative effect on on our mental health and and yeah. actually yeah that's where you know that's where as a as the owner of Colonial we saw a lot of people actually switching to alcohol uh, free options this is just as a way yeah. to kind of still have that that moment of, of in the evening where you just you know sit back relax start cooking dinner but you know that that's when the temptation I think to reach for a glass of wine a bottle of beer or you know gin and tonic is at its kind of highest point yeah. um yeah 
but no I, yeah definitely it's it's a it's a big problem in in the drinks industry I think yeah being mm. constantly surrounded by drinking and, and it being encouraged whether you work in a drinks organization or whether you work in a bar or restaurant it's always like yeah. you get to the end of the day let's all have a pint uh, oh, yeah. to celebrate mm. yeah yeah absolutely I mean I used to work behind bars when I was at uni and the 100% of every shift I ever worked I had a pint at the end of it like I can't think of a time when I didn't ever um and then we used to be allowed to get a taxi home um from the pub that I worked in but we used to actually get the taxis to take us into town so we could go out clubbing um (laughs) (laughs) yeah make sure you get home safe oh we've just yeah (laughs) no we're going out drinking what do you mean (laughs) so yeah yeah. you know um I I, I, yeah there's no way that I wasn't going to have that free pint at the end of my shift. Absolutely no way. So yeah, you're right. It is. It's just constantly present. Um, so tell us a little bit then about your decision to set up as an entrepreneur. And yeah. after having worked in such a boozy industry, how did you end up as an alcohol-free drinks <laughs> enthusiast and producer? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, people often people often ask me this because um, you know it's quite quite a big flip quite a big uh, transition but I think given what you know what we've just talked about actually is it is it that much of a surprise I think um (laughs) you know back in back end of 2016 I was probably you know three three or four years in into my role in in the drinks industry and coming off the back of what was a pretty boozy Christmas period festive period you know it's a time where there's loads of Christmas parties there's loads of socializing lots of going out and and inevitably that tends to involve lots of alcohol consumption so that was me and I think I just felt that you know the January coming I wanted to have a bit of a break and I actually just yeah. to take some mm. time off and, and detox and just you know live without alcohol for, for a bit and, and see how I felt yeah. so I decided to um, set myself the challenge of doing dry January um, it was the first time I'd, I'd done it. Um, this was back in, yeah, 2017. So, um, but I guess on the flip side, like a lot of people do these challenges and then they just they just go, I'm just not going to go out. I don't want the temptation. Yeah. I, I'm i just going to be a hermit all month and, and, you know, not see anyone. I took a slightly different approach. I was like, I still want to go out and socialise. I want to be able to kind of, you know, see how this works um, without drinking. And um, it was it was an interesting experience. I think you know I can remember uh, I can remember one time in particular going out with friends on a Friday night uh, in Bristol where I lived. Uh, we'd gone to see a, a Latin funk band at a bar, and uh, it was a really fun night. But <laughs> the they were ordering kind of gin and tonics at the bar. Guys were ordering craft beer, and I was there with a pint of Diet Coke. Mm, thinking, yeah, hmm, okay interesting and then I think I had one more and then I think I switched to water because there really wasn't yeah. there really wasn't anything available and um I think you know that that experience in itself was disappointing and I kept having having those kind of experiences um and it just got me thinking about well you know I'm I'm a drinker but I'm you know I'm I enjoy the socialization of it I was in the drinks industry at the time so I was actually you know really fascinated with different categories how wine was made how spirits um were made I was learning a little bit more about it at the time but I I think I'd grown up enough at that point I was sort of heading towards my late 20s where I was like actually it's not it's not really supporting or facilitating me in my career it doesn't yeah. doesn't 
helped me to wake up the next day and having drunk loads the night before to wake up hungover. I'm not productive. I'm not good at my mm. job. All I want to do is just go to sleep and finish the day. Yeah. So I was getting to that stage in my career where I was like, actually, I, I don't want to sacrifice the socializing part of it, but I would really love um, to be drinking something like everyone else is drinking. It feels grown up, feels sophisticated. Um, it just doesn't contain alcohol because I just don't need it. I just felt like there were so many times, you know, January aside, where I wanted to go out and meet friends, but just not drink alcohol for whatever reason. I had, you know, have yeah. a presentation the next day. But the trouble was all the good options were alcoholic, like speaking yeah. cleanly. Um, otherwise, yeah. it's like, here's your J2O, here's your Diet Coke, here's your glass of water uh, or elderflower, <laughs> elderflowers. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, not another <gasps> So yeah, um, yeah. that's kind of what that's kind of what sparked the idea. I was like, oh my god, could I, could I create something that's um, that's non-alcoholic, that you know tastes like the spirits I'm used to, that can be used in cocktails, that's got the flavour, um, you know, that really comes through, comes through with the flavour, and and that was really the seed of seed of the idea. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the brand then. Like, where do you, where's the inspiration for the name and the flavours? Because, you know, you say it's a Spanish word. Like, yeah. I, I've never heard the word before I saw your brand. <laughs> no, not, not many people. But a lot of people ask me, what does it mean and where does it come from? So um, <clears throat> a couple of months after after doing uh, Dry January, I um, had a trip planned to Colombia in South America, which is yeah. where my mum's from. I've got lots of family out there. So I planned in to kind of visit family um me and mother half and we just went we went basically mm-hmm. traveling around the entire country which I've never done before so I was super excited about it and I've been that sounds know, very cool yeah I've been, I, I like the sound of that yeah <laughs> definitely you know recommend mm-hmm. uh South America in general beautiful beautiful um continent and uh I I'd obviously been working on this idea I've been at this point doing like quite a bit of research into the market and just seeing you know what's out there not very much, um, but definitely felt like there was a, a trend towards, um, you know, people drinking less, particularly people in my age group um, yeah. and older. Um, and I think it was actually, you know, traveling around the country and then like later coming back from this trip. So, you know, what I, what I experienced in uh, South America was everything I'd grown up with, you know, sunny, warm, positive people. Um, I went to some of the most colorful towns and cities I'd ever mm. visited so yeah, literally yeah. places paved in colour and it, you just couldn't, you couldn't help but feel happy. Um, yeah, I yeah. love music. I love dancing. I've had that mm-hmm. growing up. I'm always the one kind of blasting the music too loud in the car. And so going to um, some of these cities, it was just, you know, all of that plus yeah. extra. And um, I think at, at one stage in, in the trip, it sort of struck me um relating my experience back to back to the the category that I was looking at entering was it's just not fun it's just not exciting it's it's not um enticing people in it's like if you say to someone you're not drinking they go oh why being boring and and I just thought actually what if I could create a brand um that actually brings excitement brings energy is something that people rather than you know being embarrassed of or shying away from is something they point at behind the bar and go what is that I want to try that and that was really that was really the start of I guess the concept for the for the Kalenya brand and you asked uh where does the where does the name Kalenya come from so my uh my family are from a city called Cali 
in okay, Tumblr, yeah. the unofficial capital of salsa because everyone goes there to dance. Oh, the amazing! <laughs> um, they're just yeah, Tumblr are just born dancing, and uh, and if you're from there, you're known as a Caleno. So uh, that's where ah, that's where the name comes from. Caleno, yeah, it does sound like it has Cuban yeah. heels. To be fair, so yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's exciting. I also use a lot of uh, a lot of the ingredients we use in Caleno are sourced from. Uh, South America, Central America, so pineapple, papayas, yeah. coconut, inca berries. Coconuts, like, I just, I just sort of use the whole uh, space and places as inspiration, really, from from the brand. Oh, it's fantastic, and it's it's it is a brilliant drink. It really is an absolutely brilliant alcohol-free drink, and it's one that is starting to pop up in um, the what do you call it? The on trade. I get these mixed up. The on trade. Yeah. <laughs> so in the pubs, basically. <laughs> I've got yeah. The you... Word for it, but yeah, the on yeah the premise, basically, public yeah. bars, restaurants. Yeah, I've seen it in quite a few places, and I'm always think I always think of you. I always think, oh. Ellie, <laughs> she's here. Um, but it's great because uh, you know it's, it's it's a long time since I've been to a bar, pub, or restaurant where there hasn't been an alcohol-free beer. I think that is, even if it is a bit of a rubbish one, like yeah. at least there is one. Um, yeah. But I, I still really do notice when there's a spirit like it's still quite unusual and it is starting to be often you know quite often yours is there so um you've done a fantastic job in getting that distributed so congratulations thank you um, yeah easy. you've done a fantastic yeah. job it's been easy yeah years i think well i mean the hospitality industry hasn't had an easy time of it either no so, it's um, not yeah yeah are most of your sales then from um what's your biggest sales channel is it like the online um b2c business to customer or is it the b2b or like how's how does that shape um, it's up? actually it's actually still still grocery um yeah mm-hmm. so yeah um i guess just a little explanation about how how spirits brands tend to get built in terms of how yeah. sales they would normally they would actually normally start off in the on trade so actually yeah. seeding mm-hmm. the in the on trade building it building it there through through cocktails and serves and then it would um and then it would filter down into into the supermarkets and, and online with with alcohol free it sort of it sort of worked the other way around for, yeah. for whatever reason and i have a few theories on that but um essentially uh we actually you know after launching Calenio three months later we went into sainsbury's um into yeah. 500 stores because they were sort of really starting to focus in on known low and um yeah and, and build a bit of a range as were most of, of the retailers at, at that time yeah. um, and so I mean a it was an opportunity for for national distribution at a time where Kalenia was unheard of you know just yeah. just mm-hmm. starting out back in 2019 um, and I think I think my theory on this is like you know there's no judgment in the home you know if you, yeah. if you back and drink less alcohol um, you're probably saying no to social stuff because you're not you're yeah. thinking well it's not going to be something that I like when I go out you know as yeah. the experience I had so actually I think I think really I mean the online and the grocery channels um built first in this category so they are yeah. they are more well established for that reason because I think mm-hmm. people are more comfortable buying buying a bottle and then just drinking at home you know themselves or with a partner so yeah. they don't get mm-hmm. the questions around, or oh, why are you not drinking alcohol, and you know what have you yeah. got there. So, yeah, it's interesting. But I think as the categories become more established, um, we are definitely seeing growth in the bar and restaurant and pub industry. Mm. 
I think That's loads good. of what I'm hearing is that they're they're all looking to um, shift their menu to include more alcohol free options, which yeah. is great. It's what you yeah. know, it's what we've been wanting for for a long, long time. Yeah, I just think it just gives you choice. So yeah, if, absolutely. If if you're going out uh, to meet friends or with a partner or you know whatever, if you've got confidence that actually they will have a great non-alcoholic beer on yeah. offer, uh, a couple of non-alcoholic cocktails, maybe a you know a, a sparkling alcohol-free wine or a still wine, you're going to be more likely to to go out and actually yeah. um, have confidence that you can stick to your goal of, of not drinking, mm. whether it's yeah. night, yeah. week or longer. And so it's, yeah, exactly. it's, all, it's all part of the ecosystem. Yeah. And, and the, um, the market for alcohol-free drinks is predominantly driven by drinkers who are moderating rather yes. than people who are abstinent. Yes. Um, so the, that's quite clear from the data, isn't it? I, I presume yeah. you've seen the CAM report um, that was... Yeah. That was probably about a year ago now, wasn't it? But it was quite interesting. Um, you know, the people who completely abstain from alcohol are not necessarily the core customers for this, which I thought was quite fascinating, actually. Um, yeah. So it's about choice. It really is just about choice yeah. um, and, and and not not having to drink when you go out. Um, and that's the same, really, when we think about um, the workplace and we think about being sober inclusive, um, mm. you know, it, it, I always say to employers that I work with, it's about decentralizing alcohol from the event. So it's okay to still have alcohol there, but it's not yeah. okay that the whole entire, um, like the only thing to do is get drunk. <laughs> like there has to be something else to appeal to people who might not want to just sit and drink for hours on end. Like you have to do something mm -hmm. different. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, to be honest, it's quite a lazy, it's quite a lazy way to yeah to bring people together. And and I think the more and more I've thought about this, is um, I think we as a society rely too heavily on alcohol as like a the social the mm. social elixir for our night. When actually yeah. a lot of the time it is about you know having a great night out. You think about it, it's 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 the people you're with, it's where you are, it's the venue, it's the atmosphere, it's what's going on around you, what you're doing. Um, yeah. You can go out and drink a lot and have a terrible night, you know. You so really can. Mm. I just think or not that, remember it. Yeah, or not remember it, which, you know, what, what good is yeah. that? I wake up the next day and go, oh, I can't remember what I did last night. I yeah. think I had a time. So I do mm. think we we do rely too heavily on on alcohol to influence whether we have a good night or not. And I think... You know, just a little bit more effort needs to be made to actually look at um, what else contributes to having having a good time. And I think, as a brand with Kalenia, that's what I've you know really tried mm. to instill with with the team. And and when we do when we do any brand activation or we do events, we've got you know we've got music, we've got dancers. Yeah. Sometimes we bring out like the limbo. Like I think <laughs> we're just showing people actually. Hang on a minute. Yeah. I think that's part part what we love doing is being disruptive and showing people you don't yeah. need you don't need alcohol to have a great time there are lots yeah. of other factors involved yeah yeah no it's fantastic and I've seen some of your brand activation stuff and uh, I can guarantee you yeah you will have you'll be you'll be you'll be on your feet yeah <laughs> when you see party. it party at Glenia, that's for sure <laughs> yeah absolutely definitely no I think it's fantastic and um when when you think about um, your career and the kind of alcohol culture in the places that you work looking yeah. back on it now what would you like to see happen um, from the employer's side um, to support people who you know potentially might 
need some support with their alcohol use. Is there anything yeah. that you think that those employers should be doing differently? I mean, I think at a very basic level, if I start from, you know, the very basic stuff, it's it's making sure that the options um, you provide are as inclusive as possible to those that, that want to drink and those that don't want to drink. There's lots of reasons yeah. why people may not drink, um, whether it's health, whether it's, you know, you know, it's problematic, whether it's religion um whether that person is pregnant there are so many reasons why people mm. may not want to drink and it's really not fair to create put those people in an environment where they feel left out and excluded so i would think i would you know i think about any time there is a a social occasion or occasion where drinks may be provided and always making sure that there are a range of options available and not just water or squash yeah. because that's just not good enough anymore because there are literally hundreds of brands out there, really good, high quality alcohol alternatives out there. So it's not an excuse anymore to say, oh, nope. I didn't know what to put, to put behind the bar. So I think just getting the basics yeah. right, even things like... Um, you know, when it comes to, to Christmas and, and, you know, the annual kind of Christmas gift. So many of the times uh, it's like a bottle of wine. Well, great. If I don't drink alcohol, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically yeah. a slap in the face and it's yeah. going, we don't care um, about you, Mr. Not Drinker. We're just mm-hmm. going to force, force this on you. So I think it's just really understanding now that they may not say it and they may not voice it, but quite a large percentage of your workforce um may not want to drink or may want to drink less and they would love to have the option um, and I yes. think and then I think beyond that basic it, it's really just about about education and um, mm-hmm. understanding you know how alcohol works and and uh, encouraging people to kind of speak up and also give their ideas and thoughts on on what they think works I think it's I'm a big believer in when you're putting in policies or implementing kind of new new ways of working actually asking asking the teams what what do you think what have you seen out there that works particularly well yeah. have you got any ideas like bring them into that journey so it's not it's not a case of you going this is how we're going to do things yeah no absolutely I think you're spot on um and and I, I love what you're saying there about education as well I think employers are in a really um powerful position to be able to educate people about what alcohol is and how it works and what it does and that's not to say that that education will be anti-alcohol in any way it's pro-choice it's saying you know let's just deal in facts this is this is how it works um and if you if you do choose not to drink then that is okay and if you do choose to drink that is okay um but here's the information um and we're not going to make you feel stigmatized by saying I don't want to drink yeah I think look I think also a lot of the problem does come from this stigma and and this kind of perception of what your colleagues might think if you're if you're not drinking and how that makes you feel excluded and I think that is kind of one of the big things that you know employees are going to work on anything it's like how do we how do we normalize not drinking and how do we really remove this stigma um so that people aren't being made to feel like the old one out if if they yeah. are choosing not to drink and how do we make that decision yeah. perfectly okay and fine yeah um, and I yeah. think that does come down to education as well yeah it does it definitely does and I think once people start to 
understand that um, there are, you know, that there's people around them who might not feel comfortable drinking. Things like the sober shaming, mm. you know, that oh, go on, just have one. Oh, don't be so boring. Mm. That type of that yeah. type of language. Um, it doesn't take much to get that to go away in the workplace. Actually, just mm. having like a lived experience speaker in to talk about their own. Um, journey to sobriety for example having some short webinars and things like that um, can really get people talking about it and thinking about it in a different way Um, and certainly in the workplaces that I've been into to do um, this kind of education it's a it makes it doesn't take all that much um, information for people to really sort of sit and think a little bit differently about these things and to change their behavior quite radically um and one of my favorite things to do is to go in to the board level um people and just do a one-hour talk about exactly some of the things you've just said actually so christmas time what gifts are you giving is the go-to reward always a free bar um Mm. is there sober shaming going on in your teams that you might not know about how would you know if people are being cajoled into drinking when they don't want to um what um what actually happens if you ring up your employee assistance line and ask for help with alcohol do they is there anything or is it all excluded like it was for me um because they told me it was classed as rehab um (laughs) like I don't need rehab I just need a bit of help um (laughs) so I ended up paying for it myself which was fine and I'm glad I did um but you know it was excluded it made me feel like a um just made me feel like an outcast actually I was like oh my god you know like I'm so broken that not even the workplace healthcare scheme can help me (laughs) is how I felt genuinely yeah Yeah, and I've told this story on the podcast before, so apologies if you've heard this before, but what actually happened is I rung the employee assistance line and asked for help, which was a big deal. Like, asking for help was a big, big step. And they said it was excluded, but they said I could speak to, um, like, a a general counsellor, like, so I could go for counselling. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Went to the first session, and the woman who saw me, I explained why I was there and how worried I was about my own drinking, and she said oh don't worry that's completely normal and then she told me how much she drank which was way more than I was drinking and told me not to worry and I literally skipped out of that meeting going no I'm fine I don't have a problem I'm all good and carried on drinking for it must be a good six to twelve months later before I actually got the help I really needed so you know um, you might be surprised, senior managers, if you're listening, at what actually happens if someone asks for, for help with alcohol use from mm. your workplace provision. You might think you have it covered, but do you really? <laughs> yeah, mm. give it a check. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of anti-stigma activities that can be done in the workplace. I totally agree with you, um, Ellie. I think you're absolutely right. And when you think about the journey that mental health's been on or menopause and other tricky subjects, um, employers, yeah. you know, they have done an amazing job of bringing that into the conversation and making it normal to talk about it and educating their line managers and equipping them to have those difficult conversations. And it's really, really helped millions of people. And I think it's just time to take alcohol on that journey, to be honest, and say, yeah, it's okay. There's, yeah, there's, there's so much more um, that I can see uh, to be done, really. We're only really at the start of that. And, you know, it starts with, better like availability better awareness and education 
um, around around alcohol and you know the alternatives you know obviously my response was to create you know my yeah. response to my <laughs> was to create something that I could drink yeah. with my friends and then turns out other people like to drink it too so yay <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So tell us then um, a little bit more about where we can find your products or find out more about you. Where do you go to buy Kalenio? Yes, of course. So um, you can hop onto our website, kaleniodrinks.com. We've got a handy um, cocktail page with loads of uh, cocktail inspiration, simple serve, something more complex if you're feeling inspirational. Or um, if you don't want to make cocktails and actually you want to go out and have a bartender make them for you, then we've also got a little Find Us page where you can go in and pop your um, postcode and it will tell you uh, where we're available near you. So like I said, we're we're available in in lots of bars and restaurants now, national chains across the UK. Um, We're also in Waitrose, Sainsbury's, M&S, Ocado, um, and then for those that are impatient, Amazon next day delivery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah lot, lots of options lots of ways to uh to grab Clenio. and if you're not sure we do do if you just want to kind of try it out first we do a, a little great little uh five pound taster box on our website which gives you uh two miniatures one of each flavor light and zesty and dark and spicy um each with a mixer and so you can just give it a try and see if you like it Mm, that's a good idea. I like that little five pound taster box. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and free I all... <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. Like a nice little gift that. Um, so um, I always end my podcast by asking my guests the same question. So um, what is your favourite book and why? Oh, um so like I'm I'm a I'm a I guess a marketeer brand builder by nature I love yeah I love being creative I love building things I love you know when I was younger I was always sort of making things in my kitchen I was actually making drinks funnily enough oh, <laughs> how funny then, yeah uh, and my sisters to to try them out for me I mean I was probably age 11 at this point um <laughs> but so yeah I've always I've always loved love building things um but actually in terms of really good a good book that actually I haven't haven't read it for a while but I'm probably due due a refresh is um Simon Sinek's Start With Why um I think oh yeah was I saw seen a few of his um YouTubes and was really interested and actually it just gets to the crux of you know you know your personal why why are you doing what you're doing um and for me, you know, I think when when you start a business and a brand, I think it's important to be super clear on that because that essentially drives you towards a, mm. a bigger goal. And, you know, when you've got the tough days and, and everything's going wrong and you literally just think about it, like, this is why I'm doing this. I'm mm, doing this. Yeah. And in my case, it's about I was really frustrated with the lack of options um, in this space and, and I'm I'm here providing something so people can drink less and I've just got to remember that sometimes like I'm helping yeah. people cut alcohol out or drink less um yeah and I think that is a you know for me that's a really positive change that people people can make um yeah. so yeah I think that that book just kind of unpacked all of that for me and, and helped me really think yeah. about it in more detail so that's a good yeah it's a really good book actually and I I was recommended that when I was first setting up Choose Sunrise and mm. I did read it and I have um 
like I'm literally looking at the bit of wall next to my desk now where I've got like my vision and mission and stuff mm. and um to become a world leader in eliminating the stigma surrounding alcohol use disorder is Love kind that. of <laughs> why I exist that yeah. is, that's and I look at it all the time and I think you know it's been a tough day and I might not have had any sales for a bit or like I'm thinking oh do I you know is it really worth this amount of work and hassle and then I look at that and go yeah it totally is <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. you don't you don't reach your goals overnight and it, it often yeah. is a series of seemingly small insignificant steps but they're all you know they're all laddering up to that to that bigger yeah. end that end goal yeah. and I think it's just really important to reflect on that and remember that sometimes when you're having yeah no one gets to become a world leader in anything without a few no, shit days I mean, so yeah exactly exactly so yeah no it's brilliant and it's so good to meet you properly and thank you for reaching out to me and offering to support me as well. I really appreciate that, um, you know, from uh, uh, an award-winning entrepreneur to someone who's just starting out. Um, I really think that's a uh, lovely gesture. So no, thank you. You're very, very welcome. More than happy to help. And, you know, we all, we all start somewhere and then we build we build from there. So, you know, exactly. it's, just, it's yeah. just a piece of time and effort and vision a lot of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being a great guest and for sharing with us today. No worries, Janet. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ellie. And you can find out more about the work that Ellie does. Uh, you can connect with her on LinkedIn, Ellie Webb. Um, and you can also buy her drink, Kaleno, online at Kaleno Drinks. I'm just checking. Is it .co.uk? Bear with me. Sorry, Ellie. <laughs> uh, Kaleno Drinks. Um, I mean, you can actually get it in most of the supermarkets these days, which is exciting. Um, yeah, kalenodrinks.com. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking on here, actually. Waitrose, um, Sainsbury's I've seen it in. So yeah, Ellie's doing doing great things and getting um, her brand out into mainstream retail, which is fantastic. Um, before I go, I just wanted to tell you about a couple of upcoming events that I'm running. So um Oh, there's, there's probably three to mention this week, actually. So quite a few. So the first one is Wednesday, the 13th of September. It's a free virtual event at 11 o'clock. And it's all about becoming an alcohol safe workplace. So if you're interested in learning more about what those 12 standards are and hearing from some of our panel of experts as well, then this is the one for you. And you can register for that at choosesunrise.co.uk. And then we are also doing a an in-person, in-person event um, in Leeds City Centre on the 11th of October. And that one will be a teetotal extravaganza where you get to meet us in person, hear from us live and try some fantastic alcohol-free drinks as well. Um, I'm also doing an event with inclusive companies. I'm doing a free webinar on the 7th of September and you can register for that one with inclusive companies directly. Um, and this one will really be focused on sobriety as an inclusion issue um, and looking at the impact of having a sober friendly workplace on things like your recruitment and your ability to attract and retain a really diverse talent pool. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, so yeah, I hope to see you at one of those events, if not all of them. Um, take care and I'll see you next time.
If you'd like to learn more about creating an alcohol-safe workplace without killing the buzz, visit choosesunrise.co.uk and head to the HR services page. Let's end the stigma because nobody should feel afraid to ask for help.